Welcome to Linux Link Radio by TimeSys, the podcast for embedded Linux developers. Hi, uh, welcome to Linux Link Radio by TimeSys, the podcast for embedded uh, Linux developers. I'm Gene Sally, and I'm here with Mache. Hi, um, I'm Mache Halas. I'm uh, one of product managers with uh, TimeSys, just like Gene is, and uh, we're going to uh, talk today about um, what it takes to put together a Linux link, uh, both from a customer uh, perspective and uh, and what we do here in house behind the scenes to uh, to get a uh, Linux link um, out to you uh, on our web on our website. Yeah, we do get a lot of questions uh, in the sales cycle and before the sales cycle from folks that have uh, been in the you know I had to make the Linux distribution at my company myself. Uh, sort of role, and they're very curious as to what we do in order to deliver to them a, a Linux distribution. And there's there's actually a lot involved. Yes, and, and a lot of people that actually go through this process themselves, um, they do realize that um, even though it might not look on the outside that there's um, uh, a lot of time and effort put into um, building one of those distributions, there actually is um, a lot of um, human in- interactions involved and putting together different Linux uh, components, but then assembling everything together, uh, making sure that everything works um, Mm -hmm. as expected and um, that all pieces work together with each other. That's a very involving process, and uh, when you do that on your own, it it can take a lot of time. When we talk about the the pieces, I mean, there's three pieces that we really care about. Uh, Well, I mean, we care about everything piece, right? but there are three pieces that we, we really put a lot of effort into, and that is having a tool chain, mm-hmm. uh, having a kernel, and having a root file system. And, and in, of us, in and of themselves, actually, those have a lot of subcomponents, but at the top level, and that's really what we're looking at. Absolutely right, Gene. Uh, the, the beginning is actually the, the tool chain, uh, uh-huh. without which you cannot uh, build neither the uh, root file system that um, comes with the distribution nor the um, uh, Linux kernel itself, mm-hmm. but um, I would like to just maybe uh, move one step back and uh, talk a bit about how we um, how we select um, specific um, processors, how how that happens. Sure, there's a lot of uh, input that we gather uh, from various sources. Um, as you might know, uh, our listeners, we work with um, semiconductor vendors. We work we work with board vendors, um, and we talk a lot with you to well find the right um, fit. We try to come up with the Linux links for the boards and processors that not only are new on the market um, mm-hmm. and a new uh, newly released by semiconductor vendors but also um, boards that are of interest to you. Yeah, well, we have some vendors that, uh, or some semiconductor partners, which we, we have uh, partnerships that, in fact, they come to us and they say, okay, Time says, we want you to, to distribute our, our Linux for our, for our particular board. And uh, for them, because they already know there's a decent amount of market pool, uh, mm. it sort of makes it easier for us to pick, so to speak, because you know, someone's already picked for us in that case. Uh, but there are also some other, and I, I know you're probably better at talking about th- this than, than me much, but I know there's also, along with them saying, well, we want this particular you know, processor. They also have some requirements behind the processor because processors aren't released in isolation. Typically, they're targeted towards a certain usage pattern. Um, so they, uh, they need certain support uh, uh, yes. funded with that Linux distribution as well. 
Absolutely, and uh, a lot of um, um, customers of ours and uh, people out there that are playing with Linux on various processors, they don't work with uh, a reference board from a semiconductor vendor. Mm -hmm. They usually either work with a uh, small, low-cost board from um, a board vendor, or in most cases, um, they design their own boards. Using just a reference design from a semi um, or semiconductor vendor, should I say, Mm -hmm. or or a board vendor, and um, then they go through a process of customizing the distribution. Nevertheless, the distribution is is a very good starting point, and I think that we covered that to some extent last time. And uh, maybe I'm going off the topic right now a bit, but um, um, well, so tool chains. Tool chains are very important, and uh, when we start the process of putting together a Linux link, um, we first look at um, the processor. What's the architecture that um, processor belongs to? Mm-hmm. And uh, we look at um, um, the specific version of packages, uh, source packages that, mm-hmm. that we have in-house, whether they are appropriate for that particular processor. And if we already have a uh, Linux link for a similar architecture, mm-hmm. um, it's a, it's a much easier process because because we can reuse some of the already existing components. Well, frequently, I mean, a, a processor may have different peripherals around it, but the the core instruction set remains, you know, the same between even you know major releases of different processors because they may have different uh, bus speeds or different processor speeds or different cache sizes or different you know, peripherals, so to speak, and uh, peripheral in in this sense probably means something like a, like a system Flash. on a chip. Yes, um, kind of device. Uh, so, in that case, uh, for some of our Linux things, we may already have a, a perfectly good working toolchain that generates the right instruction set for that processor, uh, and so that that wipes out, you know, or checks off, so to speak, you know, one of the one of the big things. And then, you know, the next is the kernel, and and that typically, you know, if I think about some of our some of our partners, that typically comes out of uh, the I'll call it the Linux adaptation group. Uh, of a semiconductor vendor, uh, and and they uh, and they supply some patches to us uh, for for a given level of the kernel. Um, absolutely, and uh, as you said, there's a, a difference between the instruction set mm-hmm. and uh, peripherals that come on the system on chip itself. So, um, the peripherals on system on chip um, are no of no concern to the tool chain, but mm-hmm. um, they are being handled by a uh, Linux kernel. So yeah. um, semiconductor vendors, board vendors, our partners, a- and, of course, Timesys mm-hmm. engineering team, we do develop um, Linux enablement code that um, makes Linux run on those system on chips. Yeah, and it's one of those interesting, uh, one of those interesting bits. Is it's, uh, you know, most of that work is not... There's some of it's in the Linux kernel, right? But a lot of it's before the kernel ever starts running. Uh, there's some vitally important setup code that has to run, and you know that's something that either comes from our, our partners as they're you know validating Linux for on the chip, or our engineers will dig in and sort through that code and make sure you have something that that does in fact boot. Yep. Uh, most of the time, once you've solved those you know pre-kernel start issues, uh, uh, most of the, most most of the rest of the kernel will just compile right up. So that's like another delta. I guess is another thing we have to accumulate. Uh, versus uh, uh, the standard Linux distribution. One, one thing I actually wanted to bring up here at this point is that um, 
one of value of Linux link is that we're not locking into a specific specific kernel version. So as we work with um, semiconductor vendors, board vendors, and, and partners, uh, we accept any version of the Linux kernel. It doesn't have to come from uh, necessarily um, kernel.org. Yeah. Um, it, it can come from any any source. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the process that we go through uh, in building a Linux link and um, the flexibility that um, our system offers, we can combine different Linux pieces, including, well, s- starting with a li- uh, with a cross tool chain and native tool chains mm-hmm. and the Linux kernel, and then of course building a root file system, which is which is the third piece that probably uh, you you would like to talk a bit more about sure. as well. Um, combining those three together so that um, uh, people that get to uh, that particular Linux link can have a complete solution, not only at the reference distribution um, level, but also when um, moving to that customization phase when they want to add additional packages when they want to customize the Linux kernel add um, an application to it so yeah I know one of the things that we've been sort of dancing around this I guess probably uh, specifically I mean a, a lot of the work behind Linux link is in, eff- in effect effective package management and effective patch management uh, and so what what we do uh, here uh, is uh, the, the very hard, uh, detail-oriented job of making sure the right patches land against the right sources and that are built with the right tool chain. Uh, and all those things go together. And we do the same thing when, when it comes to uh, root file system packages. I mean, we have a tool out there called uh, TSRPM, and that's that really is a, a wonderful bit of technology that we wrote. And I'm not just saying that because I work here. I mean, it really is nifty in that uh, it encapsulates a lot of that knowledge about cross-building packages in such a way that you can point at a package and it'll Go through there and and inspect the, the the package and do the right thing in order to get it to compile. And so, what we do from an engin- engineering perspective, whenever we're doing something like a like a package build, is uh, we find what doesn't compile and we we go through this choice of because we don't like the patch that much, so we will change our tool in order to compensate for the build scripts that really aren't cross compile friendly. So we make changes to TSRPM, or we'll create these things called they I think they call them. Um, I always want to. I always call them helpers, and every time I call them helper files, I, I they raise an eyebrow and look at me funny and say, "Well, they're not, they're not called that." But I can't can't call them anything other than no. They're called hint files. Hint files. I know it began with an H, but you give it, you pass it in a hint file, and uh, you can influence the way something runs. And then that way, we don't have to do things like patch the configure or patch code if if we don't need to. Today we uh, we take most of our of the packages that I used to construct the Linux link from. Um, a, a known source. Uh, we take it from Fedora core uh, websites. Mm-hmm. Um, so majority of um, packages um, ranging from um, web servers, um, X packages, um, the various different utilities and libraries come from Fedora core, uh, which is which is actually a good source for um, stable versions of different um, uh, packages. Now, having said all of that, it's we're not locking um, any of our distributions to any of the package versions, and we continue work to work with um, uh, customers. We continue to work with um, partners to understand if if there are new versions of some packages that can be 
updated in a repository mm -hmm. in such a way that um, uh, end user gets the most benefit out of out of uh, well reference distribution and then yeah. entire Linux. Thing. Yeah, what's interesting you bring that up because I, I, you know, going back to the arc about the great big patch package version management system that that Linux Link is behind the scenes. There's a there's a lot of work that goes into making sure that the vendor or the partner that wants to have a special package for a special peripheral or some certain functionality they their board is used for that that also gets included as well into the into the set of packages available to a customer. I mean, so while the you know while we go through effort to make sure packages are there, they're certainly not uniform across all Linux links because we do have some uh, some some customers uh, or pardon me some partners rather uh, that like to have their own packages. And I know when when it, you know for customers that are uh, Linux link, what they call builder, I'm making quotes with my fingers, builder customers, I'm not sure exactly how we're branding the product now, but you can go through and set up your own little individual repository even and pull in code. Uh, That's actually a very good point, Gene, uh, that, that you just brought up because, um, well, part of our product offering is um, we, we expose the... Um, the system that we use internally to uh, build our Linux links yeah. to to customers. So, whoever wants to customize um, a any of the distributions that we make available through Linux Link, can very efficiently do that by uh, making necessary changes that they want to a reference distribution. All pieces can be customized, including the Linux kernel uh, root file system yeah. and the toolchain, and make a reference distribution. Um, for a custom uh, board yeah. uh, that looks and feels exactly the same as a reference distribution that, that we produce for um, any of our reference Linux links. Yeah. You know what I thought was a really cool thing? Because when, when I was talking to the engineers about what they were doing for uh, build times and, and how they built uh, the distributions, we actually maintain. I thought this, this was really cool, by the way. This is probably you know, common knowledge to everyone else except for me. But the uh, we actually maintain this great big cache of all these components, and we keep track of what libc they build with, what architecture they built with, um, what other dependencies they have, and then whenever we go do because we, uh, if, if, unaware but you know when we do this continuous updating thing, we actually have to rebuild our Linux distributions yep. frequently. But one of the nifty things we do is since we know there's a lot of commonality and instructions out in the library, is that once we build one thing, we cache it. Yes. And, and then we stick it aside, and then when the build system comes through, it, the first question it asks is, is there a cache hit for this? And it'll pull something out of cache, so you don't have to recompile them. Yeah, that saves a lot of time um, and makes our distributions to build in, in well, if, if there are lots of hits in the cache, um, under half an hour, which is, uh, I, I would say, tremendous, because um, usually if you want to build all those components by hand mm -hmm. um, from scratch... Uh, if, well, assuming that you already have a, a good working source code, it will still take you a couple of days mm -hmm. uh, at the best. And uh, most likely it will take you like a week yeah. to, to put together a distribution, which then maintaining would be uh, another challenge. Yeah, because I, I, I know because every once in a while, uh, you know, at regular intervals, we, we clear, you know, and of course... No one gets to see all these good things, but we clear the bin cache, the binary cache, as it's called. <laughs> and all the engineers go, ooh, whoa, 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 you sure you want to do this? And Because what that really means is that the first couple builds, as it's, as it's repopulating its cache, will take substantially longer. And when you have to do what? We have like 60 or some distributions we have to build at a run. Uh, that can turn 
you know, a, a distribution rebuild into a weekend effort, uh, you know, having all the, the machines out in our building system. Because I, I don't know if we'll have time to talk about because one of the things we do have is a, a distributed building system. We have a bunch of slave machines out there um, that, that start up and will do builds and then attempt to synchronize, you know, put everything into the, the cache that they've built. And then that way we can get a decent, uh, a decent build performance so we're not serializing on a, on a single resource. Um, and that's, I, I always, I mean, I, I just think that's one of the most impressive things around is that we're able to you know, farm out our builds against a bunch of different machines and then cache yeah. the results. Well, so just to recap what um, we covered so far, we, we talked about the tool chains yeah. um, and uh, we talked about the kernels, where yeah. we get them from a, 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 and what's the flexibility level in, in um, constructing a, a new Linux link. We talked about... Um, packages for the root file system. So those are the three major components that uh, get into a reference distribution. Now, there are some additional uh, pieces that, that we make available through uh, our Linux link website. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well, in the case of most embedded systems, there are additional um, software components that are sometimes very useful or needed, mm-hmm. and uh, they would be well. I would say that uh, definitely bootloaders are very important oh, yeah. um, piece, um, but also various patches, um, enhancements. Uh, we also make available for each Linux link mm-hmm. um, the um, um, additional set of packages that packages that are not included in the reference distribution, but pack, packages that are intended for um, a uh, next step, uh, meaning when you when you move to a customization phase, that's where um, most of our customers um, decide on what their specific requirements are, what packages they would need, and um, those additional packages uh, packages are intended for use at that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody can pick the set of packages that makes the most sense to them. Yeah. Um, we also provide a, a ton of documentation mm-hmm. on a variety of different Linux topics, but all that makes Linux link mm-hmm. and um, gets reviewed by us uh, as we move to uh, um, a uh, QA and release process. Yeah. Well, I guess one of the neat things that uh, we introduce, we have here too, is our, we call our board farm system. And uh, what we're able to do with the board farm is, uh, in an automated fashion, take a distribution, install on a board, and run a suite of tests against it, and, and have it see if it matches whatever the suite of tests say it should, you know, pass or fail, uh, given the nature of the tests. And there's, you know, a fantastic amount of work uh, went into that. Uh, you could probably talk about much oh, yeah. of the different tests and, that are running. Well, that helps us a great deal uh, as we. Um help our customers develop their own uh, Linux code for um, different processors mm-hmm. because there's a, a very close coupling between the Linux link and a, and, a, and a specific set of boards that we have used internally to, to build that Linux link and having them all online mm-hmm. uh, sitting right next to each other um, where you have various Linux components and, and live boards um, makes our life very well, flexible, easier, mm-hmm. because uh, we can very quickly take a reference distribution that, that we put together and um, see how it behaves on an actual hardware. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know one of the, 
you know, one of the tricks that they that the engineers did, I was really, in, I thought, I just thought that it was NISPI too. Is they're very concerned about test repeatability. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they have is a, again, they have a, a big collection of machines that have, uh, uh, you know, pristine Linux images on. And whenever we do a test, we actually go out, turn the board off, uh, turn the board on, and then have it when it starts up send some parameters in either over a um, serial that's running over a network. So there's like a little script that starts up that, that types into the board. Um, and and then once that's started, uh, we'll, the, the machine will set up the DHCP or the kernel be otherwise influenced when the board starts to uh, download a certain kernel image. Yeah. Um, and the amount of effort that went into that it was, it was just phenomenal in order for us to do that testing and validation. Absolutely, and similar to uh, what we did with the um, build system, mm-hmm. where we we've built up this great um, well, automated dependency resolver, <laughs> where yeah. uh, when you touch a single package, um, the system um, the system recompiles all the affected packages mm-hmm. to keep um, all the Linux link all the Linux links updated. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we did something very similar to uh, our board farm in the sense that uh, whenever there's a new distribution or a change to a distribution, mm-hmm. everything gets wiped out from a board mm-hmm. um, and from a host machine that is used to uh, um, well provide an NFS-mounted root file system for that board. Mm-hmm. And the board is being set up from scratch again for um, another test run or... or um, validation of some sort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even the amount of effort that went into, I'll give you one example of depth of effort. I know we designed our own custom hardware, in fact, to control the reset switch and power switches uh, on the boards because you know every board has their own different way of resetting it. Some boards don't de- reset dependably by power cycling. Uh, so we even designed a little bit of hardware. Yeah. Uh, we, um, as a matter of fact, I think it was the most fun some of the, the, the guy that did it, I think he had all year. But he did put together his own uh, hardware and board layout and component. We had a you know, wave solder and all that other good stuff. Yeah, he had a lot of fun with that Yeah, he project. really did. Um, I, uh, yeah, so that we could dependably reset, uh, our, dependably reset our boards. And you know, without doing that, we really wouldn't be able to do things like go through a process where we would make a change, have it go to the board, and have it validated. Um, and, and so that we would have some idea what the, the quality uh, of the software was. So I, I think that's I think that's what we wanted to, to cover for today. Or is there? Uh, I'm I'm just thinking also about uh, perhaps one other angle to uh, what we discussed. Um, well, so far we talked about um, how to put together a Linux link with the assumption that uh, toolchain um, is there that we already have a toolchain for a particular uh, architecture and that. Um, we can just customize um, all the other components. Now, um, with the flexibility of our online builder, you can add new toolchains as well. You can uh, change the um, the way the toolchains are being built. Um, we use the same set of sources, though, to build a cross toolchain for a particular platform or architecture, mm-hmm. as well as a native compiler. So whatever gets included in the native root file system yeah. um, that is intended for development for NFS mount, 
is actually built out of the same source code as the cross components. Yeah, well, that's a necessity. I mean, you think about it. Uh, you know, otherwise, well, I guess it's really not a necessity. If you th- but you know, if you want to do serious development work, uh, you get really frustrated if if you get different behavior yeah. depending on where you compile things. Well, that that definitely makes um, our customers' lives easy or easier. I would say. Right? Yeah. Well, we do the same. Tr- we, uh, the, the same trick is involved too. Whenever we build out the toolchain uh, that runs on Sigwin, I know that we do what's called a ca- Canadian cross. Yeah. And, and at one point, uh, I was asking one of our engineers who is Canadian to explain to me <laughs> Canadian cross, like why, and well, he couldn't either. So I'm, but there's some sort of well, I think he could, but maybe I didn't understand. Um, but we, yeah, but we do do what they call a Canadian cross build, so that we have the the sources. So out of the same sources, we build our Sigwin tool chain um, as well. And that just makes a world of difference. Um, it really doesn't, you know, it makes it possible for you to reasonably do uh, Windows development work with alongside your Linux engineers. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of customers of ours, um, they use the same system, the, the online build system um, that we use to build the Linux links. Um, and um, it comes with a set of wizards uh, that are intended to... Uh, take customers through a process of um, well setting up a new project, a new reference distribution um, where customers can just add a Linux kernel so mm-hmm. if there's a, a new board that customer wants to work with, our online builder can um, very quickly uh, provide a provide a feature of um, well, assembling Tool chains, pre-compiled binary tool chains that exist in our repository, root file systems that, well, the, the that come with reference distributions that that we create, and um, customers can simply add the Linux kernel or perhaps even a patch on top of a reference Linux kernel that we provide mm-hmm. and rebuild the entire thing, and uh, the experience that customers um, um, have that some of the feedback that we that we've heard was that it's an excellent tool for enabling Linux on, on custom platforms. Um, because you uh, usually, when you work with a custom platform, you, you do want to have a, a built environment. Um, one reason might be that um, along with your custom platform, you want to provide some sort of Linux solution to, to another customer, to mm-hmm. a downstream customer. But also uh, for internal development, if you're part of a large organization and you want to standardize on um, what are the Linux pieces that other teams within your organizations work with, Online Builder provides that ability to just quickly assemble a uh, a reference distribution or some sort of a... um, It doesn't have to include necessarily the tool chains and and the root files. It can be just a Linux kernel, but... Um, in most cases, I would say 99% of cases, our customers um, build a reference distribution with customized kernel, and um, um, well, they either release it to um, their customers or use that internally. Hmm. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, it, it is really cool. So I know from our last our last webinar, we talked about you know starting. Uh, uh, you know, I can't remember the title. I'm so embarrassed. I just, I, I just, I just I can't recall. I think it was a getting uh, started, getting started with, yeah. with Linux. <laughs> just <a> complete <laughs> hey, stall there. Only two weeks. Come right. on. <laughs> so we talked about getting started with embedded Linux, and we heard back from a lot of folks um, that were telling us their war stories and 
and things they are working on. And, uh, you know, we love hearing from you. Uh, it's it's really great to hear you know different projects that you're up to. And um, if you have any, I guess if you're listening now, and uh, we'd really like to know what you're up to. I mean, it's it's nice to be able to go back and forth. It's not like we'll sell your email address or you get on our, our heaven forbid spam list. Uh, but yeah, if, if you're working on something, we loved hearing from you last time, uh, and you know, certainly we love hearing from you again. And uh, if, if especially if you have uh, some projects, nice projects that you work on, we would like to hear about those, and uh, uh, we'd like to actually share your experience that what what worked Linux uh, with our listeners, and uh, perhaps talk a, a bit about um, um, well other options and and uh, well. Definitely um, talk a bit about uh, the use of Linux in real life. Yeah, I know. Well, hearing from hearing from uh, hearing from you guys last time, or well, not just last time, but the last couple of webinars has done a, a you know, has been a great help so that we can focus on making topics. I know it influenced a lot about what we talked about for this particular uh, episode, uh, but I know for episodes down the line too, it, it's it's going to it's changing what we're what we're talking about and how we're how we're you know the topics we're focusing on. So. The more we hear from you, uh, the better job we can do at, at making making uh, webinar, um, sorry, making podcasts that are that are interesting. And uh, um, one, I guess, of takeaways from um, today's um, today's podcast is that we do um, we do talk to our customers. We would like to actually hear your feedback on what are uh, processors that that you work with um, as we go through uh, internal planning and uh, and. Uh, Roadmaps for next Linux links. We would like to um, well hear from you and see if there are new platforms that you would like to see um, new Linux links for. Yeah, that would be great. And it would always be helpful. I mean, we can uh, uh, we can talk to our partners and we. And, but the most important people out there are the users. Uh, so whatever feedback you can supply to us, I mean, that would be fantastic. We'd love to hear from you. So I think we're wrapped up. Uh, probably we'll have another episode out in uh, two weeks. We're going to call this one. Yep. We, we decided we'd give them fancy names, so we called this one <laughs> Podcast Five. <laughs> and I think next week, I think next one is going to be called Podcast Six, right? Well, so uh, I see uh, a marketing person nodding here that we are almost towards the end of our time. But before we're done, um, we forgot to mention um, the uh, email address that you can send us your feedback on. So the address is podcast at timesys.com. Yeah, or you know what? If you visit, depending on, I'm not sure how you got the, the podcast feed, because I know we, they have, we make them available mm-hmm. from different, different, a couple different sources. But if you're on the podcast page, I think there's a feedback link uh, down there. We've noticed that a lot of people yeah. like to email us instead of, uh, uh, instead of, instead of press the, uh, the, email. the put a comment there. Uh, but you're more than welcome to, to, to do that as well. Uh, instead of, from what I've seen, the preferred method is getting in touch with us at uh, podcast.timesys.com. Uh, it seems to be the most popular method, but certainly not the only one. With that, uh, we'll talk to you in uh, two weeks. Uh, we're looking for feedback from you, and uh, that's it. Okay, thanks a lot. This podcast is brought to you by Timesys. Check out our new site to get free code, discuss, and learn about embedded Linux development. Go to timesys.com today.